This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Adjust Your Tracking and all the Playlist podcasts are sponsored by Mubi, a curated online cinema streaming a selection of exceptional independent, classic, and award-winning films from around the globe. Mubi's film experts handpick every single film they show. Each day they present a new gem, and you have one month to watch it. Visit mubi.com slash the playlist to start a special 30-day free trial right away. And actually right now there's a great double bill for any AYT fans. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you know that Joe and I would be most interested in these movies. Uh, I can vouch for the first one at least, and that's Demons by Lamberto Bava. He's, of course, the son of the great Italian horror filmmaker Mario Bava. And uh, there's also contributions in these films from uh, Dario Argento, another Italian horror uh, master from the 70s and 80s. Not so much these days, but, uh, you know, he was in his prime back then. And uh, it's worth seeking these films out. So you could do Demons and Demons 2, which are really fun, uh, at least the first one, as I've seen, uh, a fun, schlocky good time at uh, at the movies. So, yeah, make sure to check that out. And Mubi is totally a service worth uh, worth getting into. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to Adjust Your Tracking. I'm Eric McClanahan. I'm Jeff Van Offen. <laughs> oh, so, <laughs> delay, a little bit of a delay, teasing. Was, uh, was there one? I don't know, no. It, it just seemed like you were waiting, just just pausing slightly. Yeah, it was, well, it's, it, Eric, I'm not going to lie, it's a loaded moment. You know, yeah. we've been uh, we've been out of practice for a couple months now, so. Oh, yeah. Like, just just hearing you say... Welcome to Adjust Your Tracking. I'm your host, Eric McClellan. Like it was just like, oh shit, this is we're 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 back in it. And like it it there was just like a a sort of the walls of reality were rippling for a second. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's been it has been a while, my friend. It has. Uh I think more than a couple, man. It's been almost like four months, I think, since we've gone yeah. on mic. It's been four months and a lot has happened. A lot oh. has happened yeah. Um, we, big, big seismic shifts. Um, a lot of, a lot of talking, a lot of talking back and forth, not just between you and I, but just in general. Mm -hmm. I think there's a sense now, and I think that you and I had talked definitely off mic about this, that, you know, everybody, every, there's, there's a lot of division in the, in the world right now and Mm -hmm. in our, our country specifically, and like a lot of people who even fundamentally agree with each other, just finding, just sniping at each other, just trying to cancel each other out. There's too many people talking at once. And even before our our country felt as like drastically divided as it does now, there still was a sense that like too many people were talking, everything was overlapping at once, and everybody just wanted everyone else to shut the fuck up and anything they could do to negate the noise they were going to try to. And so it starts to feel even though nothing that you and I do is necessarily overtly on the surface political, it started to feel like, you know, in addition to our personal reasons for, you know, being hesitant, there was a sense that it was like, well, if you're not talking about what's going on in the world, what, what good 
are you doing communicating and like contributing to this sort of overall din of everything that's going on right now? And if you are talking about it, what good is that doing? Cause that's just adding to a noise that people are just exhausted with, you know? So it was like, it was a, it was a weird kind of fragile period. And then we have our own sort of like crossroads where we're just like, is this, what is this anymore? Like, what are we talking about? But ultimately <laughs> the reason like how we got to the podcast, you and I, mm. was that film is a gigantic part of how we see and make sense of the world. Like, and that, and that not even just like making movies or, you know, like stuff like that, but just our sense of as viewers. Like, we, we like were obsessed with figuring them out, with talking about them, and then applying that to our own life and seeing reflections in everything around us. And so like you and I would just start bottomlessly talking about film. Yeah. We call it the, the, the black hole conversation. <laughs> and, uh, and then, so like it, we needed a break just to sort of get our bearings. Like what, what does this really service anymore? Like if, if everybody's talking all at once and it feels like, you know, things desperately need to get discussed. And if they are being discussed, they're being shut down. So what's the point? Like we still, there's still something that feels natural about you and I going back to the mics. And so like, that's what we needed to do after a few months. And that's what like we're doing. That's what, why we're here today. Yeah. Yeah. And we, you know, admittedly don't really know. We don't have a, we're pretty <clears throat> light on planning. You know, we, we, we have a few movies that we're sure we'll talk about on an episode, but generally we just get on mic and go from there and see see how it'll work out, which has generally been a great system for you and I, and it, it's worked great and it worked just fine for us. But uh, this one is, is going to be a little bit more free-flowing and just trying to basically get our bearings back and get back to what it's like to talk on mic and record our thoughts. Yeah. And of course, it's 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 all about movies. It starts with the movies and that's... It's, we're doing a movie podcast, but I think with the around the time when we decided to take a little break, I think I think I might have led the charge on that and said like, "Hey, man, I just need to take a breather here." And then the election comes along a few weeks later, yeah. and it just suddenly. I remember we talked not long, just on the phone over uh, after Trump was elected president. I still feel so weird saying that. Um, it's it's hard to accept uh, our very dark reality right now, but it just felt like, yeah, movies, huh? Like this thing that we do love. And even when, while taking a break from the podcast, I was still watching a ton of movies like I normally do because it's just a regular part of my life, as I'm sure you were. But it mm -hmm. just starts to feel like so unimportant when, it, to me, that's what confuses me is like, this is just a thing that's just been a natural part of my life, but suddenly I've built so much around it and work around it that it, it it's weird to be confronted with like, Oh, it's not important. Like all the shit that is important. I tend to avoid, like I try not to get too political on the podcast, but now I feel like we're almost we're we're it's impossible not to, how can you not have some sort of political viewpoint? Yeah. Like I was saying, if it feels irresponsible not to discuss it, but then like what, what do you like when everybody's already <clears throat> sort of like, talking right now and overlapping about it and just sort of like and you know on either side of it not really hearing each other to yeah. the point where dialogue is just being nullified you know like uh, 
we we value discussion we value contrarianism and now it's just gotten to the point where like we live in in such a drastically divided culture and society and existence that like it's heartbreaking to think that like people on opposite sides of an ideology are now convinced completely that the other side is just lying to themselves yeah continue lying to themselves and therefore no dialogue is possible and it's just like i feel that way and i really try to keep track of like wait am am i lying to myself and am like is there some sort of like reflection i'm not doing is there an awareness that i'm not responsible for and so like when we were sort of tiptoeing towards like recording again there was like this kind of idea that was backlashed against like very quickly because i think people just people want to process shit so quickly that they want to be they want to have processed it and got gotten over it in almost instantaneously yeah so there was like there there's this need to diagnose and put it behind us as quickly as possible so like donald trump gets elected which is devastating to because it, it directly affects a great number of people. This isn't in an abstract, like this is directly affecting, yeah. you know, a, a gigantic amount of people. And so, you know, we like, there's, there's just this like discourse that's impossible now because nobody believes one another. And like, like, so how do you, so there's like this, there was this idea that like, well, art's going to improve because like during times yeah. of strife and like peril, like, the the art will rise to the occasion and the, and therefore like things will will benefit from that and then there was blowback from that because it's like that's a completely entitled perspective to have because like fuck you because pe- real people's lives are on the line real people will be deported real people will be victims of hate crimes so to think like your art is going to be more compelling because of like real shit that's going on and so like you and I were even like, well, okay, like we don't want to take that angle because that like that's so easily like crucifiable, basically. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> and so and then but you like art not which isn't to say like art isn't important. Like I remember a podcast that you and I listened to is uh the Brett Easton Ellis podcast, and he had Paul mm-hmm. Schrader on mm-hmm. a couple months ago. And Paul Schrader said that once people start looking to the art for answers, the art will improve and rise to the occasion. And so it's just like, that's not saying that art is going to save anybody. It's not going to be a, a safety net for anybody. But it's like what people turn to and draw from as like a meditative space to find, to find like, you know, like if not answers, like questions, like to, to refine their questions. To Perspective. Like, yeah, per, exactly. Perspective to find like, beauty, terror, like relief, you know, like confusion, just all of these things, having it articulated for them, like in this, in this, in this drastic manner that, you know, you and I find valuable, but it also felt flippant in a way to be like, yeah, art. And it, it also (laughs) feels flippant because it's like, you and I have questioned like where the, the art of filmmaking is going when it's gotten so, pounded into like a homogenized kind of format now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh and so it's just like you know like there, there's plenty of reasons to be exhausted to be discouraged to you know just to wonder what the fucking point is and uh and you know like as, as much as that was like true and sort of like helped make a, a a lull in our recording justifiable i still just am like 
that like enough enough films started rolling out where I was like, okay, there is there is a discussion possible, and there is like a value to like if nothing if even if it's just for you and I, you mm-hmm. know, it's just, that's how this started anyway. So it's just like, all right, let's just let's let's talk. Let's talk about let's talk about Get Out. Holy shit, I saw it twice opening week. I can't believe it, you know, right. and like and and just the sense that like I don't know, it, it's it's weird also because like it feels like monoculture where everything like since most people's interface with entertainment, even if they still are going to the movies, even if they watch their TV shows on a big screen TV, like there's, there's the interface and the discussion is happening through the internet for the most part. And so like they're getting their political news from the internet. And so there becomes just like a monoculture that feels so claustrophobic and oppressive that you almost need to just be like, okay, fuck this. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to be a part of this for a while Mm -hmm. because it feels like I can't get any air. It feels like I'm just like boxed in to this like hateful back and forth where no one's hearing each other. Right. And like where it feels like we're inundated with doom at every given minute, every time it refreshes. Right. And the internet has always been a, a pretty rife source for hyperbole to exist mm-hmm. and to thrive. And it's yeah. when it when it gets mixed with the sort of monoculture that you're describing very, very well is it just it's it's like, wow, I thought I could handle like that stuff and, and shut it out if yeah. I needed to. And, and, and now it's like it just seems like things have changed so quickly that it's more serious than that. And where movies were always such a great unifier for me, like what the, one of the things I've always loved about it is you could talk movies with someone that you might be in any other walk of life, completely ideologically opposed, but you never have to even get into that. You could just talk about cinema and how one movie might, you might both share something that you really like about it. And then it's like, it's that thing that can bring people together as cheesy as that is. Mm -hmm. But it starts to feel like uh, it like it's sort of childish or silly to like rely on something like that. And it's, it's such a complicated mix of things that all came together around a similar time period for us that resulted in needing a break to, to step away from it. And for you and me, if it's just about getting on mic and talking about the things we care about, that's, that's a pursuit worth going. Like if you can get it, like things don't seem simple anymore, but that's a simple way to still be proactive i think yeah it's but it's also weird that like things things are infinitely complicated and just like jagged and like there's there isn't there isn't an easy way to sort of like understand anything but like because of that i think people are needing to get aggressively oversimplified Mm -hmm. like things just need to be black and white and like that i think that's another reason like why dialogue feels impossible is that like people it is it is a drastically black or white situation where there's there's no nuance possible and then you get into a situation where like you you find someone arguing on behalf of of nuance and people being complicated being like an alt-right neo-nazi type person you're like oh fuck like what now you can't even argue for like nuance and irony because like you're you're aligned with like this like there's this like terror of being aligned with like the wrong people and like i just i i i have not been cognizant or alive even when things have felt this drastically divisive and Mm. divided you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. i think i think there was a way to to discuss and there was a way to sort of disagree with people 
that like didn't feel like your side or my side. Right. You know what I mean? And like, and that's becoming that need for aggressive simplification that it's like, it's black and white. Like if you like the new star Wars movie, you are a bleeding heart, liberal pussy piece of shit. If you're an old white person. And if you like, I don't know, I don't, I, I don't know what movies <laughs> the people on are on the other side of the argument. I don't know what movies they have. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? Like, they have adult swim shows that get canceled. They have, <laughs> you know, like, they probably were riding hard for the new Mel Gibson movie because of how problematic he is. But, um, yeah, there's just, like, there's there there doesn't even seem to be, like, what you were discussing with, like, how um, movies can bring people together. Like, I just thought about, like, w- what were the films? And we're going to always harken back to, like, the 70s, an era that we weren't alive in. Um <laughs> And just and think about like how that was a, a incredibly turbulent, dark, menacing period for so many people with so much instability, and they didn't hide from the instability always. Like you know, there certainly were escapist films that they went to. There were big, the sort of the blockbuster got refined in that period, like from the late seventies into the eighties. But people were dealing with dark, unresolved shit, and they would go in mass, like they would people from all walks of life would go see the exorcist, which was probably an incredibly fucked up and overpowering thing to experience in a time where you feel like your, your country is unstable and on the verge of collapse. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I got to see over December shit. We got a, a giant four month backlog of stuff we've seen. I had never seen three days of the condor. Ooh, nice. And so, like, that's a that's a thriller. That's mm-hmm. a, a conventional sort of like you know uh, that's a that's an exciting genre movie for a mass audience to go see. And I believe it was popular in its day, mm-hmm. but it's got like an incredibly kind of complicated ending the way like the parallax view does. And it's like it's not resolved, and it doesn't leave you on a high note. It leaves you on this like kind of complicated, ambiguous, unresolved note, which is where the country was, yeah. which is like where we can sort of like, where, where do we line up or do we want to feel that way anymore? Do we have any interest in feeling connected anymore to one another? Cause I like, I wonder if like, that's the case, like where, where do we kind of see eye to eye, you know? And it's just like, it's getting to a point where people are like, fuck that. I don't want to relate to that person. I don't want to line up with them. I don't know. I don't want to have compassion for them cause they don't have compassion for anything I care about. Hmm. You know, and like so the sense that like movie culture and art overall is this ability for us to like, you know, kind of confront our collective demons, even if it's people we don't agree with. And it's just like, is that possible anymore? Because like, let's take, for example, a movie we both saw opened now two weeks ago. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Get Out. It's commentary on an incredibly loaded and complicated issue in america now in america's history is not subtle like it's just like all right we're dealing with race as a horror movie <laughs> you ready yeah you ready? <laughs> has been is and will most likely continue to be a problem in this country like they don't want to acknowledge that so they're gonna dismiss this movie outright mm. and like as and like Watching the movie, it's like this movie is so insanely effective with um, just like you watching the performances, you getting sort of like synced up 
in terms of like connecting emotionally with everybody involved, even if it's people you're afraid of, like it's, it's getting you sort of like actually emotionally invested in human beings in a, in a genre film circumstance. And so like, if you go along for the ride and you fundamentally find yourself in disagreement with the film's politics, like, I just want to see someone like get affected and have their belief system shaken to where they have to like reconcile with something to where they have to deal with it. And instead I just see people, you know, I don't, I, I actually don't know anybody personally who like, who has seen the movie and not liked it for that reason. Right. So I'm arguing with a, a fake person, basically. <laughs> I'm sure it's out there, but it seems like the, the very, like very small backlash the movie had in terms of like calling it racist you know, like this movie is racist against it hates white people. It's anti-white. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know any, I honestly don't know any of those people. I don't know anybody who's like vocalized that out loud. So I don't, I don't know who we're talking to if we're talking to that contingent. Right. Well, and it uh, seems, doesn't it seem like those are the people that are never going to watch this movie anyway? That's and, what I mean. Yeah. Like it seems like the people that are, are sort of like averse to it are not going to even try it. They've made up their mind about it beforehand, which I think is just, it's an inherent problem on all sides of the spectrum where it's just like, uh, or we shut off. We don't, we don't hear each other. And like people who believe that that movie's not for them are not going to try it out. Luckily there's a gigantic enough audience that do feel it's for them and are supporting it because I think it's one of the most exciting theatrical films to come out in a long time. I agree, man. Like it, I mean, for me, I, uh, when I saw it, it was like, I couldn't get over how well done the script was, you know, it was like, man, like just how he, um, perfectly it's a, it's a great example of like classical screenwriting where you do everything is, uh, has a purpose. Every line of dialogue is set up to pay off later on. And yeah. as much as I can, like I'll get a thrill out of the subverting of those things where it's like, Oh, um, like a movie from earlier this year that really was like a warm blanket for me was the Jim Jarmusch movie Patterson. Mm-hmm. And that, that movie is the opposite where it, it will make you think it's setting things up in a sort of plot script way, but it's not interested in paying that off. Cause that's not the kind of movie it is and get out just beautifully like clockwork sets up all these things also is really effective as a comedy and a, and a horror thriller. Right. And it's a beautiful example of the thing that we've really, you know, we've, we've talked about before in our admiration for what Roger Ebert would talk about, how movies are just empathy machines, like these direct mm-hmm. things where you can go through someone else's experience. Get out is such a great example of that, where the racial politics and the dynamics are things that are like really also well integrated into the story. But I'm also feeling a perspective that I have I can't have I'm not I'm a white man so I don't know what it's like for uh you know personally like literally to see what a black person or a black man in this situation is going through or what the the way the different reactions you're going to have because your perspective is different and I love that that like being like introduced to something or feeling for other people and that's the what's so beautiful that movies can do but that also becomes a fear in my mind on top of what we've been discussing here is that are people that just this movie isn't for them. Like it's too bad that like everything is sort of seems like it's preaching to the converted. Like um, another movie that is, as an example of this is like moonlight just had this crazy, like it wins in the weirdest Oscar ceremony ever. (laughs) The weirdest, like ending to an Oscars ever. 
And it's awesome because to me, that's a great movie and it's the right movie that should have won. But mm-hmm. like, I don't know about you, man. I still encounter people at work a lot at the theater that have never heard of Moonlight. They're like, what's this Moonlight movie? And it's like, dude, this it's like, it's crazy to me. It's still a tiny movie. Um, right. But there's so much to be gained if other people would like give it a shot. But it also seems like there's a fear for people to uh, to try something out. Like, oh, it's just going to be this thing that that bums me out. Or, you know, in the case of Get Out, they just don't want to maybe deal with that or hear it. They think that some people might think, oh, come on, this is all nonsense. Slavery ended hundreds of years ago. We had a black president not too long ago. Race racism's over, right? And it's like, oh man, like you are the exact audience that should be lining up to see this movie to hopefully yeah. expand your mind a little bit. It's like yeah. Trump and his administration, they should all have to watch Get Out. Will any of them? No, I no. doubt it. Why would they? It's only no. going to, yeah. it might make them feel. And I think they, they, you know, if any tears came out, they, it would break their circuits and they'd fry. Similar to how people are kind of like culling their, their information. There, there's an algorithm that sort of dictates like the, the more you look at a certain type of thing, like the more it's going to, the, the internet through its natural kind of algorithmic state is going to curate what you're looking at. And so I think like it's the same thing with how people are getting informed politically with the same things they're using to get informed, like, you know, find entertainment. Mm -hmm. And so like Mm -hmm. there that's that's sort of like accelerating the preaching to the converted experience. So the people who kind of like would benefit from kind of hearing the, the, the sort of murmurs of like. Oh, you got to see Moonlight. You have to see Moonlight in the theater or you you have to see Get Out. It's like incredible to see it with like a packed room full of people, like all just like audibly responding to it the entire time, mm-hmm. which like honestly, both times I saw it, it was like in a crowded room and it was just like you could you could feel you could feel every line of dialogue just like reverberate through everybody in the space. Mm. You could you could hear people like not obnoxiously, but like endearingly and excitingly responding to the movie through words like, oh, my God. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. You know, like and like I just think that's beautiful that that happens. And like the 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 like what used to unify people like everybody had to see the exorcist when it came out, like people from all walks of life, like were like lined up around the block because like, this was the movie that was like, you can't fucking believe how crazy this is in 1973. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 73. Yeah. yeah. So like, and so it feels like it's that big with a movie like get out mm-hmm. where it feels like there's enough people seeing it, but still, you know, the it's I, I just don't think we live in the same culture where like everybody, you know, like there's there's no longer three networks. There's no longer like a sort of minimal amount of movie theaters. There's multiplexes with 16 screens that mostly are empty during the day. But like, you know, there isn't the same sort of shared sense of pop culture of like kind of like larger than life art world stuff that everybody has to see, everybody has to contend with and everybody has to make sense of eventually together, mm-hmm. you know, and like and so that that starts to feel it has felt, you know, for you and I as like moviegoers, you know, kind of like lonely and frustrating because like we there the, the stuff that is kind of still getting that everybody seeing it is the dullest, most predictable and kind of safest fare that's out there. Yeah. It's like TV on the big screen in a lot of ways. Yeah. The, the, the sort of like the Disney 
Marvel, who else to throw in there? Hardy's. Um, <laughs> it's all that? Disney, man. What are we talking it, about? It's all yeah, fucking I mean, Disney. Disney. Owns, is at the top of the food chain above everybody else. You know, oh, man. I think yeah. I think they had at least the top four out of the top, or the four out of the top five grocers of last year. It might have been the top five was all Disney yeah. stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. And this so, is exactly what people were predicting years ago when they started gobbling up all these other properties like Marvel and, and Star Wars and whatnot. Yeah. Like in in the same way that internet becomes like this kind of monoculture that like, you know, pop culture at large be- becomes like monoculture because like it, it's, it's, and it's bizarre because like we, we have all these like avenues and channels to experience like all different kinds of of like art of content of all sorts like it's it's berserk how much access we have to everything all at once Mm -hmm. but like it the that doesn't filter into things being stranger and more varied in like the movie going experience theatrically anymore you know what i mean it doesn't it doesn't there aren't these like wild chances taken because like they feel like they can't take them anymore you know like they can't there, there's, there's too much at stake. There's too much like riding on like what's ultimately like way too expensive, and so, <clears throat> like the the people that can take chances are like streaming services now. You know, like those are the people who are have guaranteed money coming in no matter what because they're a subscription base. You know, like people are going to be paying so they can take a chance on paying thirty million dollars like for. Name a filmmaker. It doesn't matter. Have Alex Cox make a new movie. The guy made Repo Man. Who cares? Yeah. Let's see what he makes. Give him $30 million. He's never had that kind of budget in his life. But go ahead. Have him. Let's see what he does. Oh, it flopped. Nobody's watching it. Oh, well. Like, <laughs> getting our money. I'm sure it's not, oh, well. I'm sure they care. But, like, you know, like, they they can take those chances, you know? And it's, like, so Amazon Prime, like, they're, they're, they're like, financing films. They financed... Um, Kenneth Lonergan's movie that we did we ever discuss that on Mike? We didn't, but it's one of my one of my favorites from last year, Manchester by the Sea. Yeah, gigantically problematic at this point because <laughs> of come to light about the lead actor. But mm-hmm, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so, um, well, they put out the the Handmaiden, which we talked about from Park Chan Wook, which is a great yeah, film. It, they put out Patterson as well. They put out Spike Lee's movie. Yeah, uh, Chirac. They did. Uh, we are still showing it at my theater. Is uh, the documentary I Am Not Your Negro, which is fantastic and should be required viewing for the Trump administration as well, but it will never be. <laughs> yeah. They there you go. So Amazon has been putting out they're they're like investing in auteurs and and doing a cool thing of like holding true to the tradition of theatrical first and then we'll make it available on their streaming yeah. service. And I think a difference between the you know the two big ones right now are Amazon and Netflix and Amazon is devoted to doing theatrical and they had a really good year as a result they won some Oscars as you said and um, mm-hmm. some of their movies are grossing really well Manchester by the Sea turned out to be a pretty big hit for them yeah. and uh, it's cool to see them rewarded like that but I think they can also sort of afford for like. Uh, one of their movies that they invest, maybe they do invest thirty million into something, and it doesn't make nearly that back. Is like it's their their movie label or their distribution thing is just a small little piece of a giant pie where it's a store online where they make all their money, and um, so they're in this position where hey, if that allows them to take chances and to finance films that wouldn't get made otherwise by filmmakers that we 
you know, with visions that we want to see out there. I mean, hell, that's great. But like it, it there's always going to be there's more to it than that. Right. Like I, I forever for, the, for years have been able to just say, hey, it's just great. If this stuff is available, if Netflix buys everything up and people can at least see it, that's that's right. in theory more opportunities. But it's always more. It's continually gets more complicated than that, because, um, you know, a film, uh, 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 an example of something that just has never really happened before happened this year where. At Sundance in January, the movie that wins the Grand Jury Prize, essentially best picture there, is Macon Blair's effort, uh, I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore, which is a very apt title for 2017 for a lot of us. And uh, that movie wins and a month later is on Netflix. And like almost no fanfare, but I think people are seeing it. I've had a few friends reach out to me and tell me they've watched it already. So it's getting the accessibility of it. It seems to be working on some level, but yet I don't know, like that movie has kind of had its brief moment in the sun in the conversation, the pop culture conversation, and it's done. It's, it's kind of over with, and it'll always be there. And that's great. Yeah. But what does that mean for the movies? Like they, it's just another thing you, it, it's it, to me, it all points to this, this, um, this continuing thing of just consumption. You know, we're just, yeah. we've seen it moving on. You were kind yeah, of talking about like, that at the top of the show. Yeah, like like our need to sort of like diagnose a problem and move on and be over something instantaneously. It's it's the same with like content yeah. that it's this compulsory activity that we're just like seen it, seen it, seen it. You know, like the baseball card collecting, like you know, <laughs> impulse to be like, got it, got it, need it, got it, got it, and like and so I think there's just like there's a sense that you know like this movie is a perfect example. Uh, I'm I don't feel at home in this world anymore because like it became like you knew that these movies were most likely going to really have a shot and thrive on VOD at this point. Mm -hmm. But in order for it to be a blip or notable, distinguishable amongst like the sort of like avalanche of other titles, it has to have some sort of cosign, which came from it's like festival run. Mm -hmm. It did really big at Toronto in the midnight section or like in the example of this movie, it did really well at Sundance. Mm -hmm. And so like that was a sense that was that would elevate it above just being like a dump to VOD type movie. And this just removes the whole process and it just goes straight to Netflix streaming. And it was like there's something exciting about that. But also it doesn't have the sense of like of importance that like getting released theatrically legitimizes a film and it gives it that sense of importance. And so like even though people you know, it's 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 interesting because it feels like f- film going in the theatrical sense is always in jeopardy, mm-hmm. and it's in jeopardy in the sense that like what it grew to, just like with malls, like what what malls became was no longer no longer made sense to people. So when it ballooned to multiplexes, like the Regal Cinemas of like eighteen screens and like just all the chains, like that's not sustainable necessarily. Like mm-hmm. people at one point love to have options. They want to see, you know, whatever the, whatever the new, they want to see John Wick chapter two and three different. They want, I want to see the rumble seat version of it. I want to see it on the max. I want to see it in 3d. And that like, and so like eventually that can't, if, if interest isn't consistently sustained, that's going to die off and that's going to be a gigantic monster that crumbles, you know, like Mm -hmm. those, those big box movie theaters are not pretty. And when they go, they're ex- like especially not pretty, you know. And like what used to be, 
the theaters that people used to line up around the block to go see things in to see the exorcist in 1973 i'm imagining because i wasn't alive but like (laughs) you know like these were they were designed like palaces you know these like great big sort of like opulent rooms and so like i think that in a weird way like it feels like that's all that's been dying for years a movie like I don't feel at home in this world anymore. It's it's not it's not without its flaws, but like mm-hmm. I definitely wanted to feel the boost of watching it in a crowd because there are those moments. There are those moments where it really takes off, and you're like, "What the fuck is going on?" And to feel that like that confusion, that sort of elation, that excitement with a group of people that you're all sitting in the dark with, like that's just something that I I, I think is valuable, especially when we feel so divided from one another in general, you know, it's the kind of thing that when people come out of the theater, you could just see the like look of pleasure they had out of that shared experience with all those people. I just want to be like, remember this, you know, like remember this and then remember it so that you'll come back when there's another movie you want to see to have that again, because it's so with convenience and with this homogenization of everything being, all the same titles kind of all being available, like seemingly at the click of a button. Like, remember that this is something that you have to support or it goes away. Yeah. And it's, it's worth it. Like it's worth to get off your couch and get out of the house and go see something somewhere else with other people. Like that experience can be sometimes the thing you'll remember more than, I mean, how many conversations do you and I have where we remember reactions people had to a movie? Maybe more than we'll talk about like, oh, what did this mean in the film? Yeah, just like just feeling that thing that like you're you're all kind of like reconciling with the same thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like and it it oftentimes now feels like we're not even sharing the same reality, you know, because it's just like if everybody feels like each person on the opposite side of their own ideology is lying to themselves. Then like, what is the thing that's going to shatter both of our lies, you know, both of our sets of sort of like self delusion, what's going to break through that. What art is going to access the sort of like primal heart that everyone shares. Mm. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. Is that, where is that sense of like unification where it's just like, Oh, like a, a sunset. I don't like sun. Sunsets are shut the fuck up. Just <laughs> sunset, you asshole. <laughs> that's the that's my main defense when you know the massive backlash against La La Land happened. I was like, hey man, that movie's got some beautiful sunsets in it. Like, come on, I liked that movie. By the way, I, it's 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 th- th- that is like an example of like our movie culture that is confusing me more and more these days. Of like now like whether you like something or not has to be all about like that's an ideology now i i think that's, you were yeah, that's, getting that's at that sort earlier. of what i was getting at with that that like aggressive oversimplification yeah it's just like you know there's like a myriad of reasons to sort of like identify with something to disagree with something but just to like hold like there's just this need to dismiss and i think like it started like even before, like well before this election, but like I think people just get fed up with each other of taking other people's perspectives, like, you know, in into account of like not having enough empathy for everything. So they need to find a way to shut down something, to cancel something, mm. to like you were wrong because like this is wrong. You know what I mean? And so yeah. like so there there became like this the, just this like boycott culture all of a sudden where I was just like boycott that movie. Why? Cause 
I don't, I don't, um, there are too many white people in it. Okay, I guess that's legitimate, but like, I, you know, like, I, I just don't know that that goes anywhere good ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, like, so, yeah, it's, it's exhausting. It is exhausting. And I gotta say that this is, a, this is another random reference, but for me right now, the, the film of the moment that just still feels like it's reverberating in my brain and it's speaking to the culture that we're in is I got to say it's the lobster. And when we talked about that movie, I made a point of saying how like that movie to me is about beyond the like satirizing of like love and modern relationships and things like that, that all the stuff that it's very much like about in the log line of it is to me, that movie is about extremism and the, the really unhealthy, almost robotic culture that it creates. It splits people up and that movie, think about the structure of it. It's split in half between two different, like, completely uh opposed yeah Yeah. and each and each camp and each ideology is just as extreme as the other one in terms of how they punish people that don't follow along and i it's why that movie speaks to me so much because i've it's why i've never wanted to delve into political aspects of of why i like a movie so much more it's more like the art should be the thing that can you can Take in ideas you might be opposed to ideologically, but since it's been presented in a way that gives you empathy for the other person's point of view, like that can be expanding and like make you open minded yeah. and a better person. And yeah. I love how the lobster just speaks to that of like, we like, there's just like, you gotta kind of live in the middle more and not be so like, I can't take anything from this end and just. Like you, like we need to listen to each other so much more than we are. And I don't see that happening. But uh, I don't, you know, I'd love for it to change. But yeah, I, I just think, man, The Lobster, that movie is just, it speaks to me on so many levels. Uh, it's another reason I loved it so much. Well, there's also like that, uh, the, the, that aspect of like Fight Club where it's like mm. that sense of like you, you becoming so obsessive that even if like you're in initial intention is to subvert and rebel like that rebellion therefore becomes dogmatic and totalitarian and then it becomes fascist eventually and like like chuck polinick i think is tickled by this but like a lot of his like terminology has been picked up by the the alt-right and Mm -hmm. by like kind of fascistic mindsets that's just like yeah it's like no this movie was an indictment of what the fuck like i don't understand like yeah fight club's making fun of these men that feel castrated and feel like they have it's 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 looking at their perspective and it's being fair to them but it is it a fight club's a comedy in a lot of ways it is a satire and they they sort of line up you know in terms of the the film versions of them like the endings the ending of fight club kind of lines up with the ending of the lobster in the sense mm-hmm. that like two people finding each other through like essentially like mutilating who they thought they had to be, you know, <laughs> it's true, man. It's very true. And, and in the end, yeah, like you said, the, they both end in this place where it's like, what do we, what do we really all have left is just trying to make a connection with another person, you know, yeah. like strip away all the ideology, the technology, all the other stuff. And that's what we should be doing. Uh, Mark Marin has been talking about this a lot in his uh, his intros to his podcast lately have been really also a warm blanket for me where because I agree with a lot of his you know points and his perspective. I see things the same way, but he keeps harping on like it's just go out and like just have a connection with someone for five minutes. Yeah. Just, be, you know, reach out to someone and just discuss with them. Uh, it's like 
kind of the only thing you can do right now. I mean, it's it's either I do that or I just feel like raking leaves in the backyard and being <laughs> being by myself. Everything is sort of like on the on the cusp of just like falling apart, you know, like and so like you're like, I can rake these leaves. I can get this done. I can still do this. I can maintain order in this corner of my like existence. And like, that's all you can ask of me right now, basically. <laughs> Don't ask any more. It's all I yeah. can handle. Exactly. At man. least for right now, Jesus, get the fuck away from me. Let me rake. I'm, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to scatter the leaves all across the lawn again, just so I can redo it. <laughs> I'll look busy if nothing else. It's true. It's true, man. Well, I don't know. I, I, mm. As usual, I feel a lot better once we've had a chance to to start talking these things out. I don't know how you feel. Uh, yeah, I feel good. I mean, I feel like this is like a Pandora's box. So I feel like <clears throat> if we conclude this one, um, mm-hmm. this this feels. Hey, you know what? This feels unresolved. This feels complicated, and this feels like we need to keep talking. So, like, even if we end this one, this just feels like this needs to get revisited and reopened and this wound needs to get reinvestigated because life is complicated this is true exactly our podcast we're, we're bringing back the 70s filmmaking in podcast form that's that's what we're yeah, exactly about. we're two anti-heroes and like you know <laughs> yep. fuck with us you know i don't think we need to do a big wrap-up anymore i feel like maybe that time is over but i think we should just continue to end by thanking each other so i'm going to do that thanks for talking with me today joe thanks eric <laughs>